1: Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to a very special edition of the show. And I know I throw that out a lot, but this one is truly a first. Last week, after my visit to Kinky College, I was privileged to make a trip to Minneapolis, where I was honored to be invited by two of my former guests to meet them in their spaces. The education and experience I received in visiting the Bardo Studio, home of Mistress Jean Bardo, was the first time I had stepped into a space of that magnitude. I was in awe of the equipment and the amazing kindness of Jean and her cast of characters from The Jean Bardo Show. One day later, I entered Castle Diabotica, the home of Amanda Wildfire. She and her protege, Queen P provided me with a different sort of experience, which we will talk about on a future episode in depth. Words cannot express my gratitude for their kindness and sharing of their talents and knowledge by both amazing mistresses. And that brings us to today's show, our first ever in-person interview taped inside the Bardo studio with the protege of Gene Bardo who calls that amazing space the home of her surreal play and dominance. Mistress Lilith Coruptula, a Minneapolis-based dominatrix and dark goddess. She is an artist, performer, and lover of all things macabre and perverse. With a fascination for horror, occult, and demonology, she embodies lust in a way to make you worship through sin. She will corrupt you and seduce you into living and breathing for her. Are you brave enough to enter her lair? I took the dare and joined her in her powerful presence, Lilith Corruptula, on what women and other wonderful humans want.
0: It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it The
1: First Five. First time you ever set foot in this amazing dungeon that we are in and your reaction at that time.
2: Um, I mean, I was nervous, but like I had been friends with Jean for about a year um, through Zoom, as silly as that sounds. And so, I mean, I was comfortable enough, you know, around her that it wasn't too overwhelming. It's just seeing all the equipment and understanding how all of it worked, you know, um, some of it was new to me.
1: First time you realized that you were going to be Lilith.
3: Um, I've always kind of been Lilith, I guess. Um, But so, like, when I was trying to
2: find... Like who I would be as like a dominatrix, It wasn't that hard because I've just I've always kind of been that person, but just tried to hide her, I guess, from like, my normal everyday life. So it was kind of like I finally got to be myself.
1: What was the first time in your normal, everyday life that you suddenly went, oh.
2: I'm a little different. Oh <laughs> um, I, I was a kid. I, I I was I didn't really have that many friends. I loved bugs. I loved everything like horror movies. Um, I kinda I grew up in a family that was non traditional, alternative lifestyle, I guess you could say, kinda like polyamory. I pretty much grew up in a polycule, so I mean I never really from when i was very young i wasn't it was always non-traditional my life was non-traditional and i think when i started going to school and talking to other kids i really realized how different i was i guess
1: first time you ever picked up an implement as a professional dominatrix and what did you do with it
2: oh i <laughs> the first time yeah like being paid picking up a flogger I remember I was like trembling but it's like after those first few minutes it just went back into you know like something I've done a hundred times so
1: first time you ever saw a picture of you in full costume and realized this is where I've always wanted to be
2: yeah um my I've The first mentor I had, her name was Jack, or her name is Jack. She took a bunch of amazing photos of me, and she had me put on the uh, horns, and I dressed up in fishnets like I do, you know, like if I were to go out to a club or something. And um, she posed me perfectly in all these different spots around her studio. And I remember when I first saw the the photos, I was just like, "Wow, that's me." and I really realized like okay it it just kind of like made me feel more powerful as Lilith to see those photos and like made me really remember like yeah this is who I am
1: and we'll find out more about who Lilith Corruptile is when we return direct from Jean Bardot's studio in Minneapolis Minnesota on what women and other wonderful humans want
3: This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think. And more rewarding than
1: you can ever imagine yes mistress now available on Kindle and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com
4: hi this is Venus and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now what if you could have a committed loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com.
1: Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions, and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and paperback today to start your
3: female-led journey. And good luck. Throughout the years of my career, people have always kind of defaulted as treating me like a victim. And I have kind of equated it to the character I created, Jewel Marceau, the damsel in distress. And I wonder if that hasn't just leaked over into people's minds, that Jewel Marceau is this damsel in distress and she's just always needs to be rescued and she's so helpless and oh, poor her. And this is another uh, reason as to why I have
4: wanted to become a dominatrix.
1: Raw emotions, honest truth from the icon, Mistress Jewel Marceau. April 5th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want.
0: We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the show
1: in very warm Minneapolis. I really can't believe it, but it's quite nice here. Joined by Mistress Lilith Corruptela. When did you know you were going to be a pro-dominatrix?
2: You know, um, I had already, I had been a lifestyle dom for quite a few years and mostly just with, like, friends and partners. And it was actually during the pandemic, I had spoke with one of my friends and she said that there is so many more submissive men than there is actual professional doms. And I was like, oh, okay. And she just kind of casually put into the conversation like, yeah, you could come to my studio sometime and try it. And I did. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but you know it's like when trying to go from a lifestyle dom to a professional dom there's a lot to learn so you know at first it was it was scary but
1: let's talk about your roots as a lifestyle dom how did it make you feel just being able to enter this amazing world we call kink
2: it was great it's like one of those things where you you find a group of people and you feel like okay, this is my people, I'm not so weird, (laughs) I can actually talk about what I like, and no one here is going to judge me, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a great feeling, because, you know, like I had said, like, growing up in school, I was always the one that was, had no friends, you know, no one really wanted to talk to me all that often, so once I got into kink and everything, it was just, Everyone loved me and accepted me just the way I was. It's a great feeling. I want to
1: talk about the feeling of growing up and feeling like you didn't have any friends. And to be able to go through that, and I've known it a little bit even in my adult life, but to go through that and feeling like you want a place to belong, a place that you feel comfortable, a place that you feel safe, What was it like going through that, and what was your heart telling you that you needed the most?
2: Well, I did go through a few different phases of trying to, like, repress who I was, trying to be more normal. Um, I would dress more normal, as (laughs) I guess some people would say. Um, I tried to hang out with like the cool kid crowd at school um, and I just tried to fit into to normal society more and I was so depressed, to be honest. Um, I just didn't, you know, I, I knew that there was more for me. I just didn't know like how and where to go to actually feel happy. And that's when, like, finding the alternative lifestyle, not just kink, but, like, even, you know, alternative music, alternative people, uh, it really made me feel like there is a place that I belong in this world. And I didn't have to do that anymore.
1: What was that first step where you knew you were heading in the right direction?
2: Oh, um, I think it was probably the first time I went... This is going to sound cheesy, but I went to a concert. um, And I was scared to go there. But I went there and I realized, like, oh, okay. I I looked around, seen all the people, and I was like, okay. I think I am with people that understand me now. Um, Yeah, that was the first time I really felt like, okay... This is where I'm supposed to be.
1: I imagine walking in to that concert, you said you were scared, and then walking out was a transformational time for you. Was it a sense of relief as well?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like I gained friends that day that, you know, I I still talk to and they support me. They they're not they're vanilla, but like they support me in what I do because the, you know, they say, who who am I to judge what you're into? And that's like the exact kind of people that I want in my life, you know.
1: You mentioned in talking about your youth the word normal four times during the sentence. When did you realize that normal was never normal?
2: I mean, I was probably in my 20s. It took me a long time to realize that. That you know what you see on TV is not actually normal.
1: So you take your step into becoming a lifestyle dom. Were you ever a bottom or subby at any time, or did you always know your power?
2: I've I've uh, I've bottomed before. Yeah, I I used to switch um, with some of my old partners. So I mean I've played in many different ways before. So I. In my opinion, I think that helps me as a top, because I know what it feels like to be on the other end. So...
1: Was there a favorite thing you enjoyed bottoming for?
2: Um, Probably rope. Like shabari, just like impact play.
1: And what did that bring to you?
2: Mm, it made me... Uh, I was just a stress relief. Yeah, I mean, I guess probably like anybody else, you know, it just made me, it kind of centered me, it grounded me um, when I needed it the most.
1: I always call rope or mummification or anything that holds you. I got to explore a vac bed for the first time ever at Kinky College and I started crying because it was the first time I ever truly felt safe. Describe that hugging feeling that Rope gave to you and the feeling that you like to give to your subs now.
2: I was, you know, being tied up and suspended. You feel like so, you're in that fight or flight, but at the same time, it's like you're so trusting of your partner. It just brings up so many different emotions it's almost like overwhelming and now I try to remember that exact feeling when I'm dealing with like any of my submissives like I know that it is at in on one hand terrifying but on the other it's like you know that you have trust in everything between you and your partner that you're with at the time if
1: there was a city to start understanding kink I would guess Minneapolis would be an amazing city to do so. And here's why I will give you my example. At Kinky College, I got to play with two wonderful people and meet uh, another. And afterwards, they both said, well, yes, we know Jean Bardot. And we absolutely think that she was so amazing in helping us become who we are. The two people were Professor Gray and it's just Mary. Oh yeah. And to be able to just feel the energy that they brought me, and then to have another person, Set T, who comes and sees Jean every month or so, telling me how amazing the energy was, I was like, okay, when is my flight to Minneapolis? <laughs> Describe what this city is like to help you find yourself.
2: I love Minneapolis. I mean, I I grew up here. Um, I think it's one of the more accepting cities. Uh, We have, you know, we have our big Pride Festival. We have, you know, everything here is very accepting. And I feel like not every city is like that. Um, everything's very colorful, you know, and with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, it's like the city is still, you know, just as great as it was, I think. But it's a great city to explore a kinky side. That's for sure. We have a lot of different little places that you can go to, um, get kinky. So
1: you got into the lifestyle and then you decided you wanted to cut become a pro-dom. Describe the steps that led you to become a pro-dom and the folks that may have mentored you to make you the dom you
2: are today. Well, um, yeah, I. the biggest part was just understanding, you know, how to get that kind of relationship with somebody that you haven't really known for all that long. Um, And I have an amazing mentor, um, Miss Jean, Mistress Jean. She's taught me a lot. <laughs> um, I did have one mentor before her too, Jack Fatal. She also helped me a lot with like, you know, the proper use of equipment and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, now that I'm here at Bardo studio, it's, there's so much here. <laughs> like it's, I could constantly be um, using different equipment all the time, and if I have any questions at all, uh, Mistress Jean helps me, so I couldn't be luckier.
1: Well, that is a wonderful cue to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to walk through the Bardot Studio with Mistress Lilith Corruptella when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want.
4: Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom, but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality.
1: Realizing that you're a polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com.
4: This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com.
0: Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans... Welcome back
1: to the show. John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, in the middle of the Bardo studio with Mistress Lilith Corruptella. I have heard about this place, and now that I'm seeing it, I'm a little overwhelmed. Jean mentioned on her episode that when I walked in, that my breath would be taken away. And she could not have been more right. (laughs) When you walked
2: in here, was it totally overwhelming? Not really. Just, I am I mean, it is, but I was so comfortable with Jean that it wasn't, it wasn't too much. It was a lot to see all the equipment and, you know, just stuff that I haven't used before. But I mean, Jean is amazing. So it was, you know, she <laughs>
1: she helped me out a lot. Because this is an audio podcast, we're going to have to paint pictures here. So we're standing here in the room back towards the back on the first floor and standing in front of the space age chair from the (laughs) 80s that I described as Ikea gone kinky. Tell me what I'm looking at here and tell me some of the things that you enjoy about this particular piece.
2: I probably use this one more than anything. It's uh, the birthing chair. Um, (laughs) So you can see the bottom is open, so you can get access to what's underneath when you're sitting down. Why don't we go over there, and I'm going to sit down, and I think maybe I
1: can get a better idea of, oh, my Lord, (laughs) better idea of what's going on, and my hips don't lie. I'm, I'm older, so continue, please.
2: Yes, so this raises up and down and backwards and forwards. And there's a mirror up here so you can watch yourself. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so it's fun because I can, you know, tie your arms back behind here or tie your legs in and tip you backwards (laughs) so I can do things.
1: And what kind of things are those? Because I'm I'm asking and and you will hear and you've heard on my podcast it's not so much the act, but since we are here I think people might enjoy hearing some of the things that go on here.
2: Um, well, I do a lot of C B T in this chair, which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it's set out perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Um I like to play with needles and such so I can have you Um, all the way up and back. So it's almost like you're laying with your arm or your legs up in stirrups, kind of like you would at the doctor. Mm -hmm. And with the, how the way the chair is cut out, I have plenty of access to do things to you. I mean, I've even tickled people in this chair too, (laughs) like, like tickle torture, um, where I just remove the feet part and then I tip them back upside down and strap them in and just all the shit out
1: of their feet and I bet you take great joy on that and straight across the way is your I would say typical St. Andrew's cross but this one is far from typical there's enough eye hooks in that to strap down half of America (laughs) yes
2: there is (laughs) this is
1: kind of a standard in any dungeon but what makes this particular piece of furniture so fun for you
2: well, there's just so many different things that you can do on it, you know, um, especially this one with all the, um, the loop. the Yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, you can have them tied up in so many different ways, and it's like you don't have to just put somebody face first on it. You know, you can turn them around, tie them up that way. There's just all sorts of different things you could do with this.
1: As we're walking out, I'm walking th- uh In between two body bags, and I'm just going to save that. But as we walk towards the front door, there is a throne, and it is majestic.
2: (laughs) Yes, this is where a lot of foot and boot worship takes place. What
1: is your feeling when you are sitting in this majestic chair?
2: Oh, very powerful. (laughs) Yeah
1: expand on that a little bit because I'm sure there have been times when you have sat on here and realized wow this is about as amazing a powerful feeling that I could possibly have
2: yeah I mean it is raised up too so I mean you're always looking down on whoever you're here with um and it's so huge and it's just like the beautiful woodwork on it it's um you feel like a queen when you're sitting in it (laughs)
1: You mentioned feeling like a queen. you are small in stature, but your energy is very large. How do you come to grips with those two things coming together?
2: I mean, I have fun with it i I know that <laughs> I can terrify people <laughs> until they get to know me um I'm actually very sweet, but yeah i'm I'm five foot two, so I'm I'm small. I'm usually wearing very large boots, but, um, yeah, I. You you give
1: off the energy and that's the important thing. Thank you. All right. I'm looking at something that, uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna never would have imagined when they said wheel of fortune. This could be a wheel of misfortune or just the most awesome thing ever?
2: It is the most awesome thing ever, yes. Um, you can get strapped into that and spun completely around. And there's all sorts of fun things that you can do with someone when they're upside down. <laughs> Legs apart. I can
1: imagine, and I'm just going to step over here. I'm not going to ask you. Well, I would, but I'm not. Um there are so many different straps here in so many different ways. I mean, there's not one place that anybody could move on. You can hear how tough the buckles are. When you have someone standing in front of you that is that helpless. Describe your mental attitude. I mean,
2: it's I mean, it's kind of a lot, you know. Um you have complete control over this person's body. Not only that, but like they've given you that complete control. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great feeling.
1: <laughs> the trust that goes into this is paramount because they are putting their trust in you and you are also trusting them to form a connection. The connection is always, to me, the most amazing part of it all.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I end up being I mean, I don't know if I want to say friends, but like I mean, it's basically friends with a lot of my clients because it's like you're sharing both of your most intimate parts with each other, you know, it's it's hard not to form like a super deep connection. Um but yeah, it's it is very powerful when you find somebody that you can just actually be that comfortable with especially if at first you don't know them very well um but yeah through different sessions and playing together it's you get to be extremely close
1: describe to me a first time that you had with a client and the connection or lack thereof that you had that formed what were the key components to that happening
2: Um, I think it's, for me, like if I, you know, I get somebody restrained and they're obviously at first terrified and they're trembling and, you know, then we get a little bit further into the scene and they're just like almost in tears because they're so happy. It's like, it's such a quick change and you know how much they like care or, you know, how much... They appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, I guess that's the yeah, that's the best way to describe it.
1: You have to keep your power as a pro dom, but inside, I'm sure your emotions are all one big bundle of energy.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, every everything goes through your head sometimes, but. Um, You got to keep centered and, you know, most importantly, just feel that strong connection with the other person. And you guys just, you know, it's you and the other person just kind of bounce off of each other with energy. So it's, uh, it can be emotional. There was, I mean, before I was a pro dom, there was a few times where it was just like I was brought to tears during a scene too. So, I mean... They can bring up any kind of emotion, even when you're not expecting it. It's like a word or an action or anything, you know, (laughs) for either the top or bottom.
1: I'm going to ask you to kind of imagine things here. Because I'm standing here in front of this wheel along with you. And I would imagine what it would be like to just simply step up to there. Take me through your mindset as you put each of their restraints on one of your clients and where that brings you in that connection. Can you imagine what a scene is like from the time where they have nothing bound to the time they have everything bound and the way that your mindset changes?
2: Well. Since there is, so, <laughs> there is so much to strap somebody into this, it's a lot because, I mean, you know, you have to be able to spin them around safely. So it's, you know, you, you get them strapped in all around the first time and you have to go back in and, you know, kind of tighten everything up. And it's like on that second go through of all the straps and the buckles and everything, like you can just feel a difference in in the bottom because they know that like at that point that they are 100% yours <laughs> and you know it gives you a shift as well too because um, you're controlling everything with this person at that point point.
1: and that moment just must bring you absolute ecstasy going now the power has totally shifted
2: <laughs> exactly yes I
1: can't tell you just how much I loved your laugh at that point <laughs> Shall we tread upstairs while I sit here and stare at this and dream a little bit? Let's tread upstairs because I haven't seen any of it up there. So you're going to take my, dare I say, virgin eyes up there. (laughs) There's so many beautiful pictures on the walls of the stars of the Jean Bardot show. And you get to play in this fun little place. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a cat woman on the wall. I have to stop. <laughs> wow. Now this this room up here that we're going into is very much uh, very much burgundy and almost feels a little bit lighter. Explain to me what this room is.
2: Yeah, this room is more it look it really does look like a living room, um, but with some bondage equipment and Jenny, hi Jenny. Um, <laughs> Jenny.
1: Uh, I, I want to ask consent, Jenny, because I'm, I just came from a King conference, and you have to. Do, may I? Uh, may I have consent to uh, touch Jenny? Yes. Thank you very much. Oh my she God, anatomically correct. An anatomically correct, and it's scary how lifelike she is. Yeah. I will post a picture of Jenny if I am allowed on social media after our after we release our podcast so they can see exactly who we're talking about. But that's, she's beautifully bound, but it's so scary because I feel like there's a third person in
2: here with us. <laughs> yeah, there's some times where I walk up the stairs and I have to like, oh, yeah, that's not a real person there. But now She's just kind of hanging out with us here.
1: Now, with her here you love supernatural type stuff. Is there a little bit you can play with in the supernatural in this particular room? Because it is a living room, but there's a bit of spook to it as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this room is more... It's not so intimidating, I think, for the bottom. So it's like you can almost do a little bit more mind games, probably. Um That's for Supernatural. I mean, (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, mind games, I think, is a little bit of what I was talking about, because I could believe that with your particular style, and I'm talking about the way you look as well as the way you talk, I'm sure you like to use a little bit of that spooky in there. I'm just guessing.
2: Oh, yes. (laughs) I am the the demoness, so... Um, Lilith, yes.
1: Describe what that means. In other words, if you were to if you were to talk to uh, our our friend here and try to bring her into, and obviously I'm talking about a real human here, but if you were <laughs> trying to bring them into your world, what are some of the types of things you'd say to them?
2: Oh, um, I would say. I mean like how I feel I feel like a goddess I feel like I don't know how you'd say like um like from the underworld you know mm-hmm. type um everything that's kind of creepy and spooky in this world that people are afraid of like I feel like kind of like the embodiment of all that
1: Your eyes just shifted And between the makeup that you've done and your natural eyes, you started talking about that. And I'm going to move this and actually sit down because this is more the perspective that most people see you. (laughs) And when those eyes went wide and intense, and even right now, there is an intensity to you that as much as I feel this lovely positivity and kindness coming off of you, I could see where someone would just melt in that. Describe to me how important your eyes are in connecting with someone.
2: I feel like I could tell a story with my eyes if I had to. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just the way you can like look into somebody's soul especially in the situation, you know, that I'm in, in this studio. Um, Just one look at the bottom and they're just melted right into my hands. And it's a great feeling.
1: (laughs) I love the fact that you are sheer human here with me because you have those eyes as you listen to me talk. But when you talk, the eyes go back and forth as though you're not sure And I think that that's amazing because they do tell a story. Can you tell us a story about when a client talked to you about how your energy and your presence and those eyes really helped them?
2: Um, It's when I look at somebody and then they actually feel like they are actually worshiping me, a goddess... Um, and they look into my eyes and they know that like, I, I have all the power. I make sure that they know that for one, that they're safe, but I also want them to know that they have no idea what's coming. They don't know what I'm going to do. And I am going to have fun with them, push their boundaries, but not go over their boundaries um just to be around you know to first meet somebody in those first few moments like you could tell to when they they look at you and they're like almost intimidated but then I speak to them and they know that I'm not I'm not like a super strict disciplinarian you know I'm actually very sweet but yet seductive
1: I can describe as this is an audio podcast that when you started talking, there was this brightness in it. And then suddenly your eyes had this stern look as you started talking about how that connection is and how you want them to feel safe, but not quite there. (laughs) It's amazing. And I hope that you come up to Minneapolis and want to meet an amazing person you'll get to see those eyes we have another room back here that's full of wigs do you play a lot in that room or
2: no actually that is Sybil's room oh yes
1: so, I will learn more about that when I meet Sybil later
2: yes you will Um, we do have the medical room over here. Uh
1: (laughs) Now we're getting into your territory and I will tell you, I am totally scared of needles. I don't get anywhere near needles. Uh, oh my gosh, there's lots of rubber in here too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is my favorite room. I love medical.
1: Oh my... Again, an audio podcast, but if you could smell this room right now, you would be totally intoxicated.
2: Yeah, there is latex um on just about everything in here, so
1: So what does this room bring to you?
2: This just brings out the biggest sadist in me because they that like everything in this room is fun for me. I love to play with all the pokies and um sharp things and <laughs> just like the feel of medical in general is just my favorite
1: where did you develop a taste for that
2: I, I'm not really sure I did work in the medical field for like five years and so I was a in medical record so I was doing like dictations and stuff from doctors and listening to them talk all the time yeah. And I had to learn like the different lingual and, you know, um just all sorts of medical terms and stuff like that. And I mean, that's probably where it came from because I was fascinated by all of it. And you know, you come in here now and there's like the there's the uh the bed and everything is set up to look just like if you were in a doctor's office. So it just brings, you know, it really brings you to that feeling where, like, you are in a doctor's office (laughs) and something bad might happen to you.
1: (laughs) Describe needles for someone who doesn't quite understand as I look right in front of me and see an honest-to-God gurney that you'd see in a hospital room. I mean 100% accurate. But if you're on that table, strapped onto it, and suddenly you have needles coming your way, that kind of changes the dynamic a bit, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so I like, yeah, I I like to strap people down as much as I can, and then my favorite is like CBT with needles. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> it takes, a uh, not every client that I get wants that, but the ones that are definitely into heavy pain. I mean, I've had a couple clients where it was just, you know, I, I start with the needles halfway through the session and they're already so far into subspace that when I start putting the needles in, I almost get like no reaction. Mm. Cause they're just already so far into it that it's just It's so pleasurable for them.
1: I have not been fortunate enough to go what I would call full subspace, where I feel loopy and people have said it's a little little like you're drunk, a little like you're just totally out of your head. But I've gotten part of the way there. Explain to me the joy, from your perspective, of taking someone there. What is the rush that you have and the reaction you have when you know they've crossed over?
2: I think that's probably the best feeling that I've had. Um, When you know that you've completely brought somebody there, um, it's because it brings you, you know, you're, you're in a space yourself, but it's just knowing that this person is here, but they're not really there, and it's been at your hands. <laughs> it is the greatest feeling. And, you know, at that point, you can, you know, play around and uh, see how far you can kind of push it. Um, you know, obviously, safety, but knowing that somebody is just not in their body anymore is a very good feeling. What?
1: This room is so full of rubber, but you like flowy things, it seems.
2: But is there a side of you that enjoys the rubber as well? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I do have a set of um, latex scrubs with a scrub hat and mask that's latex as well that one of my amazing clients has bought for me, so... I, I do love the feeling of latex. I just don't wear it as much. I like um, I like fishnets and mesh and all that other stuff as well, which is what I'm mostly known for wearing.
1: I talked to Jean about her cat suits being an armor. And she said she didn't quite feel that. She felt as though it was just where she was meant to be. I talk about my my cat suits as armor from the scary outside of the world that it gives me a big hug. What is it about your outfits that brings you the power that you have?
2: I like making people look at me. <laughs> I like turning heads. Um, yeah, I feel like... Most people react completely different to me when I'm dressed up um, than more if I just were to go out in, like, sweatpants and a T-shirt at Walmart and nobody notices me whatsoever. I just like the feeling of walking into a room and everyone turning their head and looking at you.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Let's move on out here because I see someone sitting in a throne, (laughs) and she is listening to us. And she is your mentor, <laughs> Mistress Jean Bardot. Tell me about this amazing woman we've been talking to.
3: Oh, she is amazing. Sure, her spirit, her energy is really fun. It's relaxing. Um, we we meld really well together. Um, we did meet over Zoom over the pandemic, which is a very strange way to meet. Um, But I I just found a really nice connection, someone that thinks similar to me, how I perceive domination, domination um, in a professional manner, and how to to treat others in in that field.
1: When she first walked in here, I'm guessing, just guessing, there was a wide-eyed person looking around going, whoa. Describe to me the evolution of that person to the person you know now.
3: Um, I think she was a bit overwhelmed. I think I I said this before. Most people are. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to look at. And at first it's overwhelming, but now I see her eyes go, it's a candy store. What do I get to lick, touch, hold, feel (laughs) use. <laughs> now, um, you know, I see her bright eyes and devious mind thinking and I love watching that mentoring that.
1: It takes a lot to trust somebody in your own space. And this is your own space. What was the turning point that said, I want this person to share my space with me?
3: Just that connection that I felt with her right away. Um, I'm someone who has worked in this industry, so I really follow my intuition. Um, It's very important for me to follow it. And if there's anything that makes me question something, it's you know move on, move along. Um, you, You know, it doesn't deserve my time or my energy in it. And she's not someone that gave that to me. It was just very comfortable from the beginning and i'm getting to an age where i just you know the space i'm not going to use it as much as i used to use it i want to slow that down and there's a lot of gear and stuff and toys i want to teach others to use and i i think i found that in her
1: (laughs) and what's it like there's blushing going on over here actually both sides What's it like to hear those words from Mistress
2: Jean? <laughs> it makes me feel very happy. I love her, and it's just good to know that um she sees that potential in me. It gives me yeah, it just gives me a good feeling, and I'm excited for what's to come in the next years here. <laughs>
1: What are the best ways people can connect with you? Because Minneapolis is such an amazing place to come up just to see. But coming up to see you would be a special thing. Tell them in our audience how to get a hold of you.
2: Um, I do have my website. It's corruptedbylilith.com. And um, I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, FetLife, um, and you can find links to all that stuff on my website.
1: And you'll find links to it on the show notes. <laughs> our first ever live recording of an interview at the Bardo Studio in Minneapolis. Special thanks to Mistress Jean Bardo for allowing us in our space. And thank you to you. Mistress Lilith, you are an amazing human, and I am so glad that you got to be my first live interview, because seeing your smile just made my day.
2: Oh, thank you. I had fun today. I appreciate it. Lilith, as
1: you might see in the pictures on social media from our show, is a lot of power in a tiny package, but she captures you with her lovely kindness. But when that supernatural and perverse energy captures you, hold on. It's quite a ride. And thanks to Mistress Jean Bardot for appearing as well to talk about her protege. It's clear that Lilith will be someone to watch as she grows in her power. Next week, we are back on Tuesday with New York City's legendary Dom, Mistress Natalie. It's a great conversation looking back and looking forward for this person who has a lot of stories from the Big Apple. Thank you for joining us. I'm John, always known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always.
0: What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media check us out at what women want p1 on twitter what women want podcast on instagram and for our kinky friends on fetlife at wwwpodcast this has been a presentation of dating kinky kinky done differently